Hello, welcome to another edition of the Hoop Scoop Podcast. My name is Nate with my pod pal, Phil. Hello and welcome. And just like that, we're at the quarter of the NBA season. Most teams have played roughly 18 games, some less, some a little bit more, but nonetheless, we're there. We're going to talk about what we've seen through a quarter. Grizzlies are probably hovering at 13 yeah, at this point. Grizz- yeah, Grizzlies have played 13 games, so that's, that's, that is what it is. But, <laughs> just been out the loop. But we're going to go over some interesting things that we've seen. All right, dive into some of the tougher questions and see where we stand quarter way through this strange NBA season. You ready, Phil? Yes, sir. All right, so what we're going to do is we're each going to ask two questions to each other, things that might be scratching the back of our brain, things that might be keeping us tossing and turning at night, and we might need some help answering. We'll talk about some good teams. We'll talk about some sputtering teams, and that'll be that. So first question I have for you, Phil, through a quarter of the season. Number one seed in the Eastern Conference is none other than the Philadelphia 76ers, 12-6 and six record. Joel Embiid looking like an MVP candidate. So I'm just going to put it simply, Phil. As of now, as of now, do you view the Philadelphia 76ers as a legitimate threat to win the Eastern Conference? I think it's definitely more of a possibility than it was the past few years. It's really interesting going forward. Like their defense has been their calling card throughout the season, which is kind of what we expected with some players, but not as like a whole team. So they're phenomenal on defense. I think, I mean, their defensive rating is fifth in the league. Their net rating, because their offense is up outside the tens, they're in the eighth spot. It's just looking good. Their defense is where they, they're winning games, and Joel Embiid is able to get the buckets when they need it. He's playing phenomenally. Phenomenally, He's in the conversation for MVP. I don't know if that's how it's going to shake out by the end, but if he's just dominant like this for the rest of the season, then there's really sky's the limit. <clears throat> you got any qualms about that? No, I, I hear you. And Philadelphia, Joel Embiid, I mean, he, he has the potential to be a top five, six player in the league. You know, he's, he's that good when he's right. And, I th- I, you know, before the year, I liked Philadelphia. I think I had them as the fourth best team in the East. But personally, right now, I still haven't really changed my viewpoint of this team. I think Embiid is doing the best that Embiid can be doing. Tobias Harris having a little bit of a bounce back year as well. The shooting is helping. Seth Curry's had some really nice games. Jake Milton's come alive. I think Tyrese Maxey's given them better production than they thought they would get. But I don't know, Phil. As far as I'm concerned, until Ben Simmons – and Ben Simmons is doing Ben Simmons stuff. You know, he's playing solid defense. There's some games where he looks like he really has an impact, some games where he doesn't as much. I still don't know if I can put this team at the top of the top when they really only have one guy – that I've seen consistently be that that threat offensively. And I just think when it comes down to the playoffs, you're going to need more than that. You're going to need more than that. And offensively, they're still – they're better than they have been in other years where they've kind of plummeted, honestly. But this year they're hanging, I think, 13th off, 13th rank offensive rating. Their shooting is solid. Not great because they still do have some non-shooters they throw out there, but shooting is solid. I don't know. I'm, I haven't seen what I want to see from Ben Simmons because I, it seems like I haven't the last few years. It's always the ben, same Ben Simmons. And while they're, they're probably going to be 
they'll, they'll win a, a first round series, I would believe. I, I'm not ready to put them ahead of Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Boston, they might have a better shot at because, you know, they don't have a magic for Embiid. We saw that in the last two games, despite the Celtics missing Tatum, which is very important in those games. I think people maybe overreacted a little bit to them. But that being said, I'm not ready to put them in that upper echelon just yet. Yeah, you're kind of jumping my second point because right now it's basically just Embiid taking the whole team. And <clears throat> we know Embiid, he's good when he's healthy. And that's those are two very big ifs. And as the season goes on, he's playing all of his games so far. He started 14 games and they've played, what, 18-ish? Yeah, 12 and 6. But we're going to see how – yeah. So we're going to see how long – he's able to carry himself in this specific fashion. And if he does it for the entirety of the season, what's he going to look like come playoff time? Because if they're going to depend on him for roughly 30 points a game, is he going to be able to do that throughout the whole season, carrying them to a top seed and then into the playoffs, you know, far into the playoffs. So I definitely get your concerns. And, you know, it's, I think it's a big gamble, probably 50, 50, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we saw the past couple, a few games recently where Embiid didn't play. And I think Sixers fans especially kind of wanted to see Simmons take some of those games over, you know, like score, right. score 25 points, score close to 30 points. And it doesn't have to just be shooting threes, but one way or the other, you know, take a game over. Like you can't ride Embiid like this the whole year. It's just not going to work. We, we know the kind of player he is. We know that health, is always a concern. It's just not a good idea franchise-wise or just in the short term. So Right. Simmons has just been slow with 13 points a game. It's just he's really delved into the Draymond role, Yeah, and, which is weird because, I mean, Draymond had to really go into that role where he's averaging 10 points a game when he lost his athleticism. Meanwhile, Simmons is full strength for what we think, and he's still just, you know, kind of in the background. And Tobias is probably having his best – year of his career so far honestly he's scoring yeah. about 20 points per game over 50 from the field he's red hot from three but uh you know Tobias is Tobias like are we really trusting him to be your bona fide number two I'm just not sure so we'll see we will see and I don't really have a bona fide answer but I'm just saying I'm not completely so Doc Rivers equation the Doc Rivers equation seems to be working out for Tobias but who knows how long that's going to... Yeah, he, he does do wonders for Tobias somehow. He does do wonders. I don't get it, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, Tobias is still being... Like, he's shooting a lot of twos. He's he's shooting five threes a game. Like, his free throw rate is ridiculously low. He shoots ba- ba- barely over two free throws a game, which is kind of like... Uh, when you, we don't get to the line. It's kind of hard to consistently put up great production. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, Do, do you buy Tobias Harris being the number two option on a team that can win the East, we will see. But that's where I stand yeah. on the Philadelphia 76ers. All right. Do we want to pivot? Yeah, give me a question, Phil. Let me let, me, let we're, me we're doing a very slight pivot. Okay. We're going from top to, you know, tied for second with the Celtics in the East. Mm-hmm. I just want to know how you feel about the Jason Brown emergence and, you know, Jay- Jalen Brown over the top. Yeah, what I said. You, you missed Tatum and Jalen. You said Jason Brown. <laughs> Jalen Brown. Yeah, they fuse. Too many Y's in their names. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Jalen Brown's going. He's having a great year. Really made a leap from, you know, that tough leap you always talk about where it's good to great. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be an all-star this year, almost definitely. 
where do you think that cements the Celtics in the upper echelon? I think having him play the way he did last year, they were still in the, you know, top of the top of the crop. And now having him boost his play, and where does that put them? Yeah, Boston's a really tough team to gauge right now. I, if I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Celtics fan, I'm just having fun with this team. Honestly, I'm having fun with this team. I think Jalen Brown is just like one of those guys you love to have on your team because you know that he's just constantly working to get better. Like we talk about a lot of guys and being most improved. Like Jalen Brown's ascension has been ridiculous over these last few seasons. And right now he's putting it all together from a scoring standpoint, shooting the three ball. Well, like his, his dribble, his uh, dribble drive games really taking leaps and bounds of improvement. He's shooting mid ranges. He's finishing well, and he's still playing high in defense. Like Jalen and Jason, that is a, Great, great, great tandem to have. Now, with that being said, there are still some major holes on this team. The Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice lineups are absolute nightmares. They get killed on every single one of those minutes. And right now, that is their starting lineup. So, is that going to change? I don't know. But the front court depth is just non-existent right now for Boston. Do they gonna, are they going to lean more into Grant Williams? Maybe play some more small ball? Grant Williams at the five. We've seen that happen in the playoffs last year. I'm not sure. And then we have the Kemba Walker aspect. He's come back and had some nice games, but how long is that going to stay afloat? You know, Kemba was extremely inconsistent last year in the playoffs. And for them to really be a true, true contender, he needs to play like an all-star. So that being said. Right, and they yeah, they had their third all-star theoretically last year in Hayward, which he will be this year. But yeah, Hayward it just didn't been... pan out timeline-wise, which is kind of the Celtics' uh, MO right now. Yeah, Hayward's been phenomenal this year. But – yeah, so with that being said, like, Boston's going to be a tough series for anybody. You know, like, like anybody. I, I don't see, like, Nets, Bucks, Sixers, whoever. It's going to be a good series. You know, like, I, I don't think they would – I don't think any of those series would go less than six games, honestly. Just yeah. just based on how hard they play and having those two guys be who they are. With that being said, I still just have a lot of question marks about their front court depth. I think shooting comes and goes just because they don't really have anybody off the bench they're bringing in from a, a scoring standpoint, a shooting standpoint that can really give them a spark. So with the Celtics, I think I think they're a team that could definitely win a first round matchup if they, you know, get get the right draw. But I don't know if they're going to have enough to keep up with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. And Philadelphia, that would be a tough series, but I'd still probably lead Philly at this point. So right now I kind of have them fourth in the title in the Eastern Conference contention power rankings in the East. Yeah, I mean, I can't really fight you on that, but there's definitely a, a steep drop-off after that four from what we've seen so far. You're not, you're not bought in on the Indiana train? Indiana's a weird little little team. They, they started out super hot, and then the Karis of Verde. Sabadonis was uh, MVP potential. Everything's yeah. kind of simmered at the point at this at right now, but yeah, I mean, Pacers are good. They're just they've been playing like the Pacers play, where they just some of the all the pots. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to take you over Giannis or KD or one guy's significant excellence. They don't have one guy that can get you a bucket or get you a stop as consistently as any of those other four teams. Yeah, and and then there's obviously the Miami factor, which is just kind of hard to put a finger on you know the injuries yeah, and, the, yeah. and the COVID protocols have run them dry at the same time they're also just not playing that great even when they you know have more than you 
think they would. Like, you know, I, I still think their record should be better than six and ten. Fans having a good year. But even when Harrow's played, it's been off and on. Miami's weird. My, Miami's weird. I, I think they're they're gonna make the playoffs. Yeah. And if they're healthy, like that, that's a that's a tough series. But that's why the season is so strange because it's hard to even get a feel for some of these teams based on how in and out the lineups are. So you kind of just have to, you know, watch who's playing, see like what certain lineups look like, and then just kind of assume for other parts of it because it's it's going to be difficult. There's never been a, a less a season with less continuity than this one, just from a team standpoint. Yeah, I mean, Bam is kind of a big portion of that. Just teams have kind of figured out what to do with him because he really can't shoot threes yet. I don't know where he is development-wise if he's he's even working on that. But right now teams kind of have him figured out. He's only taken, I think, two or three threes this year. And the years before, he hasn't shot well. So for him to grow past that, you know, 20 to 22-point mark, he's going to have to really expand that offense. Also just to help the team spread the floor. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I watched Miami a couple nights ago against Brooklyn, yeah. and Bam Bam was showing some stuff that I I haven't seen. I mean, he was doing some of that face up jab step mid range game that like you know we we see all the time for Anthony With Davis. AD, yeah, it was great. Like, yeah, Bam, he's he's fine. Like, oh, yeah. he's, he's having he'll a, a nice good. season so far. Yeah, roughly tw- twenty one a game, nine boards, shooting great from the field. Yeah, it's just those other parts. I mean, they're, they're throwing Gabe Vincent, Casey Akpala, like, getting major minutes right now. So, it's tough right now with the Heat. Yeah, but we'll see. Like, is Miami's kinda... definitely going to be a team to watch. Yeah, yeah. Give it to, to a little more dark and dreary. Sure, sure. Let's, right. go, let's, let's go morbid. All right. So, we're going to talk. It's, it's easy to peg them, but we're going to talk Wizards. So I want to get your scope on what's going on with Wizards. I know we haven't watched, or maybe I haven't, a lot of the Wizards games this year, at least, you know, live. But what's your kind of grasp on exactly the relationship between the team? How is everything going? We kind of pegged them as a bad team early on when we did it a few weeks back. But they're just – things are getting worse. Yeah, Washington – I think Washington and Minnesota – those two teams, it's been a a sad, sad year. And there's not a whole lot positive going on. They are also dealing with a lot of COVID protocol and injury stuff. Thomas Bryant out for the season. That was a killer. That was Bertanza's out right, right now. I'm honestly not even sure why. But if you look at who they were trotting out there last night against Houston, I mean, they're starting Ant- Antone Gill. Is that his name? Something Gill? I honestly don't even know what his uh, first name is, something with an A, Antonio Gill. Okay, Anthony Gill. They're playing Anthony Gill from Virginia. I actually remember him now. Anthony Gill. He was starting last oh. night for, for the Wizards. So, oh, just big come up. The, point, the point I'm trying to make is this team, it's Westbrook, it's Beal, it's not a lot else. And that being said, Westbrook's also been just bad. He, he's been yeah, bad. I was going to say, and, it's really just Beal. Yeah, and right now, they are looking like the losers of that trade because the the whole point of getting Westbrook was maybe he'd be productive from the get go instead of Wall, who's looking to work through this injury. But it actually looks like John Wall's the better player at this moment. Yeah. So that's just a giant L. This the likelihood of a Beal trade seems to be getting higher, which with each loss, 
Right now, yeah, that was my two-parter. Yeah, right now they're three and ten, and there isn't a clear path to them being better than that. They don't have a lot of upside right now. They're playing really poor defense. They don't have a lot of rim protection. They don't have any depth. Bradley Beal is a star, but past that, there's really not a whole lot of shot creation. Westbrook has declined massively. His free throw attempts are down big time. His free throw percentage is down big time. He still can't shoot. So, yeah, Washington, I don't know what else to say about them. I feel like we've talked about them a lot this year. But, yeah, I mean, they should be talked about because they have some big decisions to make franchise-wise. And the GM, Tommy Shepard, has been on record several times saying he's not interested in trading Beal. Beal's off the table. We could talk about other players on the team. Well, guess what, Tommy? There's nobody else to talk about on your team. Your team is not good. And the only way to get better, in my eyes, is to trade Bradley Beal. Because this is going nowhere fast. And the longer you wait, the the worse the situation gets, the uglier it gets, and the less leverage you have. So I think that the likelihood of Beal getting traded before the trade deadline is pretty high at this point. All right. Pretty well, high. You answered my question because I was going to say, it's, at this point, you're right. It's when, not if, Beal gets traded. Is it going to be the deadline? Is it going to be in the offseason? I, I think you're right. It's probably going to be a deadline type thing. Now, if since you've answered my question, I'll have to up the ante. Where do you see maybe two teams? Do you think Denver's in the mix? I always hear Denver whenever there's a star nowadays, say Michael Porter Jr. And um, no, Gary Harris. I was going to say Will Barton, but Gary Harris is the salary filler essentially to get that deal done. He's also an interesting young piece. The Nuggets have a, have a trade package for that can compete with most star packages. Why haven't they put it together yet? Yeah, Denver's definitely an option. It, it, I guess it kind of depends how invested they are in Michael Porter Jr. And then you also have to – like it can't go without being said, you are the Denver Nuggets. You know, you're a team that – you trade for Bradley Beal, nice, but Denver's not really a hotspot destination. And unless you kind of get that – very clear confirmation from the star himself. Beal could just walk out the door when his contract's over, which I think is in two, two years. years. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's a risk. You know, that's a risk. Like, do you think Beal is making yourself, making you a great team? It, it very well could, but I'm not sure. To me, I think the team, and we just talked about them, the team that I would love to see get involved, a team that I think missed the boat on the Harden trade, when they should have just done anything possible to get them is the Philadelphia 76ers. I think with the way Embiid's playing and the way Daryl Moore's constructed this roster where he's put shooting around him for once, they are another star away from really being a title contender. And Bradley Bill's not James Harden, but he's probably one notch below. A Ben Simmons plus a little bit more package for Bradley Beal, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Yes, yeah, so I was just going to ask, because you said another star away, because they currently have two. But wouldn't that kind of just from what you were saying, wouldn't that kind of inverse what getting another star is if you're flipping one for another, sending Ben Simmons to Washington? I'm just, I am, I am just not, I'm not on the Ben Simmons train right now. All right, I like, was just confused. Star, I know I, if you were saying yeah. keep MB Simmons and get Beal, no, like, right, Maxie ain't that I don't high. View, I don't view Ben Simmons as an like he's a star player, I suppose, but he's a like he's a star player in the same way Draymond Green's been a star player. You know, like yeah. I, I don't think he's he's not an offensive star. 
And at, at come playoff time, we all know, like we've, we've seen it with teams like the Utah Jazz who put together great regular season. They're doing it again this year. But when it comes to playoffs, like having multiple shot creators, multiple shot makers is so important. And Ben Simmons just isn't, isn't that right now. And I know he helps you defensively, but this team is going to get where they need to get if they're able to score with teams like Brooklyn. You know, could, like, do you think this team can score with Brooklyn right now? I don't. No. So, I, I, yeah, so I, I think getting Beal would really, really, really help them, like, a lot. So I would I, I would urge them to make that move if it was available. And then for Washington, like, do you take – I mean, Ben Simmons or Russell Westbrook, that seems like nails on the chalkboard, but I still think you do it and just see what happens because Ben Simmons, I, I, I do kind of criticize him because his lack of – evolution offensively he's still only 25 and you still have massive massive upside a lot of talent just naturally so you kind of reboot that whole saga in a little way maybe you get a little bit more on top of Simmons I think it makes sense for both sides yeah I mean we'd have to see what happens but a Beal Beal kind of running the ball taking Simmons spot although adding a whole lot more shooting could be a very interesting dynamic for the Sixers yeah, I would love to see that personally, but we'll see. Like, there hasn't been actual talk about the Beal trade, but to me, yeah, it's, as you said, a matter of when, not if, because, like, I, you even saw last night, I don't know if you saw it, I mean, they, they lost to Houston last night. and It, it was ugly. In an ugly game. Yeah. You know, like, John Wall's just chirping Westbrook. Nobody's really playing well. They just end up losing, and at the end of the game, Beal had his hands in his head yeah, on the bench. Yeah. So, things are not sunny in nation's capital right now so it's always sunny in philadelphia so there we go there we go (laughs) that's that's beal's pitch right there (laughs) i like it i like it well that's where i stand on the wizards conversation ready to move west for a bit yeah give it to me it's not even west it's the western conference kind of west seems to be maybe soon to be east (laughs) New Orleans Pelicans, Phil. New Orleans Pelicans, one of the weirdest teams in the NBA to me. I don't know. People were on them in the offseason, weirdly. I'm not really sure why. I I thought they were kind of like a playing team. I I believe I had them 10th in the West. They got off to a decent start, but right now they are sputtering, 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 sputtering. 5-10 and right now in the Western Conference. Currently second to last in the West in front of only the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are just an absolute train wreck. So my question to you, Phil, and I'm not even talking about this this team. I kind of want to talk about it more from a, a team building aspect. Do you think this team we're looking back like looking back now? And obviously, there's more than enough time to write the ship. I'm not saying their season is over. Who knows? Maybe they end up winning five straight and they're right in the mix again. But do you think this team is constructed a little poorly? <laughs> I just look at it and it's just strange to me. Yeah, no, I totally on board with that. It's hard to argue, but. Starting with the beginning of the season, things were looking up. They played the Raptors. Maybe people were a little expecting more from the Raptors, or they thought the Raptors were kind of at the level they were the years prior. So when the Pelicans beat them, I think it was, yeah, it was by a significant margin. It was 113 to 99. People were like, oh, the Pelicans are looking good. Like, they're strong. They're beating the Raptors. I guess kind of looking back now, we can see the Raptors have been struggling with essentially their defense and shooting, which is actually what the Pelicans have been going through the whole season. To start the season, mm-hmm. Ingram and Williamson were averaging 25, and everyone was, you know, happy and just couldn't complain. But as things have gone on, we've seen, like, 
there's no three-point shooting, there's inefficient shooting overall, and they turn the ball over 26th. They're the 26th worst team in turning over the ball in every game. Mm-hmm. So it's just a weird combination of everybody. I think Bledsoe really kind of threw a wrench into the works, although he's better than Lonzo. You're essentially running Bledsoe than Lonzo or vice versa. And the same problems remain until now they took him out for uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. So you see the same problems come up and now they're just thinking like, do we get rid of Redick? The one guy we brought in to spread the floor is struggling, which was a bad idea for the get go, but now it's happening. So what do you do? Yeah, it's interesting what Stan Van Gundy had done with this team because last year the Pelicans were all offense, no defense, very high-paced, running up and down. Zion Ingram and Lonzo are just tossing the ball over the place like Chino Hills. And they didn't win a ton of games, but I felt that even – and their, their defense was just atrocious, like otherworldly right. bad. And that wasn't sustainable. But at the same time, I do think that Gentry was kind of working to his personnel strength in a way. You know, having Zion and Lonzo run up and down. Ingram, another guy who, even though his ISO game has improved massively, I, I think he works really well in the open court still. So I think getting him the ball out there was was good as definitely for his development. And Ingram's taking another step. Like, he looks great. Ingram and Zion both look good this year. But SVG has taken a completely opposite approach to this year. Their pace has dipped to 23rd in the NBA. Their offense is just terrible. They're 19th, which I think when you have some of the weapons that they do, there's no reason they should be a below average offense. And it's like the roster just kind of weird. Like, in my mind, when you have Zion, you should have Zion as they're spread out with shooting. Like, give Zion room. Have him with in lineups where he's playing five. You need guards who can shoot. You know, you shouldn't have the, the lane clogged. And right now, you got Steven Adams just kind of roaming the paint, doing I don't know what he's doing. Lonzo Ball shooting has completely plummeted and, you, you know, just regressed is, back yeah, to what it was before. Back to bubble guy. Yeah, so that's brutal. Their depth is non-existent. And... It's just a grind every time down for them on offense. They're not getting out in the break. Their shooting is bad. They're near the bottom of the league in three-point shooting. Somehow Bledsoe shooting 41% from three. I have no idea because every time I watch him, I feel like he misses. But Lonzo Ball is making up for those makes with, with clankers. a copious amount of bricks. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, Yeah, this team just doesn't make sense to me right now. I'm not really sure – where they fix it. I don't know if the answer is on their bench, but maybe stylistically instead, they have to kind of change their identity offensively because whatever they're doing right now isn't working. And I don't think it's really playing to their personal yeah, strengths. I mean, it seems like, I mean, from my perspective, it could be addition by subtraction. Do you think the Pelicans pushed the needle too early by getting Bledsoe and Steven Adams? And now they're kind of expecting this team to be great, but they're only a year into what they're supposed to be and they're still working and developing together and adding in these guys that are kind of pushing the pace to compete right now. Is this just a bad, was this the bad move? I think the, I, I, I think the Bledsoe thing, it's too early to say, you know, right now, Alonzo is just not producing. I mean, Lonzo's taking the most threes per game on the team with seven and he's shooting 29%. So <laughs> say whatever you want about Bledsoe. But when your backcourt mate is doing that, there's only so much you can criticize him for. Now, with the with the Adams thing, that's not really working at all. When you think about the ideal center for Zion, you 
in my eyes, you should Miles kind of Turner? approach it the same way. Yeah, but I, I, I think about the way, like, you, you give Giannis a sender, you know? Like, you give Giannis a guy like Brooke Lopez, who can take some of those rim protection duties, who can let Giannis play perimeter a little bit, you know, play let Giannis be a help defender, but still space the floor and shoot threes. Like, imagine Giannis with a center who couldn't shoot. That would be a disaster. It would, it would be a true disaster. So, and, and like, Adams and Giannis, would that make any sense? And Zion's not Giannis. They have the same play style, essentially. similar things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They do a lot of similar things. Downhill, you don't really want them shooting a, a ton of threes. And the lane's got to be Yeah, they got to go straight line drive in. They're, they're com- they- <laughs> yeah, they're, they're coming down a runway, and there better not be anybody there. So... The Adam Zion thing is horrible. It, it really I don't know how much that's going to improve. And then they extended him, which was a little strange as well. So that, I think, is aging very poorly. The Bledsoe stuff, like, right now he's their only playable point guard. Even though he hasn't been great, he's made some shots more than anybody else in the team. I think, so I think Mikhail Alexander I Walker is so much. I mean, he definitely doesn't deserve the starting spot, but he has. Yeah. He could definitely be a rotational guard throughout the rest of this season, maybe next. Yeah. 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 He, he can. And he's, he's had some moments for sure, especially when Lonzo hasn't played. And I kind of want to talk about Lonzo for a second. But before we do that, Phil, so just Pelicans in general, like, do you think this is a team that can climb back up to the playoff picture? Or do you think this is just uh, going to get worse? Where you had them 10th spot is probably where I would put the range. They were probably. 10th to 8th in my opinion I didn't really make a I didn't narrow down the exact list but I didn't expect them to be you know surging to the top of the west but I assumed they would be in like the insurance spots where if they weren't in if they weren't in they'd be in the ninth or 10th spot and be able to play in but now who knows I still think they'll probably finish in the 8 to 10 range they get a few good breaks and you know people come back healthy and Reddick eventually finds a shot, which he will at some point, unless they trade him. <laughs> then all bets are off. Yeah. Yeah. So before we move on with Falcons, real quick, Lonzo Ball, Phil. Because Lonzo Ball, he's been kind of an obsession of mine. For uh, a we, bit. We've, had, we've had I, a crush. I've, I've liked him. I, <laughs> actually, coming into the draft, I didn't love him. I thought De'Aaron Fox should have been the number two pick. And even though he probably shouldn't have been number two, I think it's it's clear at this point that he was probably the better investment than Lonzo. But I can admit, I was, very, there. I was so, high on Lonzo. But I wasn't that big on Fultz. Yeah. I was I wasn't, big I wasn't on Lonzo on and Tatum. I just like Tatum had a complete bag. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I, yeah, I don't know if I did. I feel like I didn't do my, my Tatum research. I love Fultz, honestly. I love Fultz, but oh well. Okay, so Lonzo. Lonzo Phil. You know, there's been the trade call. There's been the trade talk. He's having an absolutely horrible season. He's shooting below 40% from the field, below 30% from three. Free throw percentage still just bad. 50. Yeah, he's getting still one. Still gets yeah. the line. One free throw attempt per game. I mean, his free throw rate is jarring. Like, I, I remember saying something about that. I mean, rookie year, it was pretty bad. I was like, okay, it's just a rookie. It'll get better. I mean, to play the minutes he's played, 32 minutes per game in his career, and make and take barely over one free throw attempt per game. That's like an impressive lack of getting to the rim. So that's bad. He doesn't even make it when he gets there. 
I'm I don't I'll I'll let you lead off. Like where are we? Where are we on Lonzo? The future in New Orleans? Those are, those are, uh, I think I don't I don't mean to, to I don't jump to the conclusion, it. but I think Lonzo and the future in New Orleans are two separate things at this point. Yeah, fair. Well, no, oh, Lonzo's, Lonzo's future, future in New Orleans. In New Orleans. Okay, it, I think it will be relatively brief. I don't know if it's going to be this deadline or it's going to be next, but mm-hmm. it seems like they've tried it out. Lonzo doesn't fit there. I think he can still be a very decent point guard in the right spot. He needs to be, he's not one of those guys that can adapt and figure things out and kind of mend his playing style to a team. Mm-hmm. It's the other way around. Like he needs to be in a yeah. situation where he can just run pick and rolls and have a lob threat. Realistically, he could probably uh-huh. fill up with Payton's role in the Knicks. That would be a nice thing, but I don't think that trade straight up is going to happen. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a good point you make about he's kind of a, a system player. Like he's not a throw throw yeah. him in and like let him let him figure it out. He kind of needs things tailored to him a little bit. So I think New Orleans is gonna move on. Whether they get something in the trade market or whether they don't extend, I, th- I think he's a restricted free agent this offseason. If I'm not mistaken, but I think you're right. I have to double yeah. check that. R- regardless, I, yeah, I, I don't think. So they they probably are going to look for a trade if they don't plan on extending because right. they don't want to lose. They could nothing. do a sign and trade though. So they could, yes, they could. I'm just a little concerned about, like, does he have the offensive chops to be a point guard in the NBA, starting point guard in the NBA? Like, the more I see, he just kind of looks to me like a nice backup, just because the spot of shooting, even though this percentage is bad, like I, I still think there is some spot of shooting ability. I still think defensively he comes in and help you, and he, he he does play the right way. Like he makes good passes. I think the whole like passing Savant thing was kind of overplayed, just because um, he's more of like a, a right play kind of guy, and the throwheads are really good. But like, and maybe it's just his lack of dribble drive ability limits the passes he can make because it's hard to really make passes that lead to buckets when you're not collapsing the defense. You know, you can only do so much when you're just floating outside and not putting pressure on the defense. Like passing, passing talent comes from the threat of scoring. You know, like Luka Doncic is such an elite passer. LeBron James is such an elite passer because they have the threat of scoring. If they didn't have the threat of scoring, then the passing yeah, wouldn't have the same yeah. impact. No, so I, I kind of see. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of think at with like Lonzo. with his driving potential. Something that just came to me is like teams don't really have to guard him close up while he's driving. He doesn't have the burst to get around people. He's always been a big, strong guard as opposed to a quick agile like blow by and so when you know that he's just going to try to bully you Mm -hmm. into the paint and there's no in between he's not going to pull up mid-range he's not going to take a step back in a mid-range it's either right to the rim or he's in the or he's taking the three right when he gets the ball so I think knowing that him having that you know Mm -hmm. duality with no other variable in his game it's really easy to check him up and you know what's going to happen next the only opportunity while he's driving is Dishing yeah. it off to yeah. the corners. No, he's, no. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't he doesn't have yeah. a his his bag's not too deep. It's it's not. It's uh <laughs> it's more it's more of a wall. It's one of those it's one know, of those coin purses. You pick you pick a couple things, but or clip, money clip. Yeah. But however low you are on, on Lonzo Phil, I am the the Brandon Ingram train has just is left the station. I wouldn't say I'm super low on Lonzo. Ahead. I always like him. I'm I just think if he was on he was on a low, yeah, he was on a bad fair. team, probably, I don't know, Wizards, just cleared out. He could take the ball up. Maybe they had Thomas Bryant. 
he could just run pick and rolls, you know. He needs a spot where he can – right now he's probably a decent mm-hmm. backup guard on an okay team. Maybe he's not playing on a contender, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm at as well. But New Orleans, they're not dead and gone. I think Ingram and Zion have really come alive this year, both of them, and it looks like you have your two cornerstones. But it's just how you fill out the rest of the rosters, Yeah, the question at this point. So that's that with the Pelicans. We'll monitor them. Before we go, Phil, what's the number one thing you're looking at from now until the halfway, halfway point? point? I mean, I want to say my Knicks because – or our Knicks because they're playing well – some of the time, which is quite an ab- aberration from when they usually never play good. <laughs> but overall, I'm interested in the Jazz. I think Mike Conley yeah. coming back and playing to the level two years ago where he was on the Grizzlies, it's what they expected. And I, I thought last year, if he was going to play like he did on the Grizzlies the year before, they were going to be a really interesting team in the West. And now that he's at that level, everyone's had a year to kind of get yeah. used to each other. Bogdan or Bojan, I always get those messed up. But once he kind of – Boyan, thank you. Once he gets Boyan. in rhythm because he's kind of been struggling from three, they could be a really interesting team in the West. Yep. Utah definitely playing well. I, I was high, I've been high on them. So, yeah, I mean, the Jazz are playing great. Like, when it comes to the Jazz, I think it's going to come down to the playoffs and whether they have right. that shot creation I talked about earlier. But right now they're playing, they're playing as well as they can. I'm looking at Brooklyn. Because how can you not? You know, the, we're gonna like it's been kind of a feel out process so far, but I'm interested to see how they like. What does this Brooklyn team inevitably look like going forward? Like right now, they're they're doing a lot of Harden stuff as the point guard. He's not taking a ton of shots, but he'll kind of pick his moments. Like in their game against Miami a couple nights ago, Harden barely he took like three shots through three quarters. Took the game over down the stretch. Ended up with 20 points. So I'm just going to be interested to see how they divvy up their shots, how they divvy up their rotations, and just how successful they are. Like, right now they're 11-8, and eight, which isn't great. Like, and regular season, it only matters so much, but the East is good. And, you, you know, if you're Brooklyn, you'd, you'd rather play, I don't know. Yeah, and you'd, and you'd rather play, I don't know, like, Orlando or even Toronto in the first round. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see what happens with the free agent – or not free agent, the buyout market. I don't know what's going to happen with that because I think it's – Buyout, yeah. It was a big thing the last two years, but it's kind of dried up because those buyout candidates were all way over the top 2016-2015 signees, and they didn't play up to that money, but there were still decent rotation pieces. So they get bought out, and then they go to these teams like Nick Batum. But I think Batum ended that era, and now we're kind of in like a – yeah. Who's really going to get bought out this year? Maybe Drummond. You know, like that's about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something. Definitely Wait, be something one question. To monitor. No, 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 no. All right, one Phil. question. It kind of goes. One so question. we got the okay, Knicks and Nets on, on our local TVs, but who's your league pass team for this year? Who's the one team you want to watch as many games as you can? League, league pass. League pass team. That's a good question. League pass team. Let me. All right. League pass team for me this year. Sure. Hmm. Can I give you one in each conference? Okay. All right. Eastern conference. Give me Charlotte. Give me Charlotte. Give me the, give me the LaMelo ball experience. Give me Gordon Hayward becoming Gordon Hayward again. Give me them just trying to make the playoffs. 
I like watching Charlotte when I can. Western Conference, ah, give me my, Denver. My God. I'll take Denver. To match Nicole, me in heaven, Nicole is putting up absurd. Ah, you're just, really? My heart grows fonder. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about Denver, but Jokic just putting up silly numbers. Michael Porter Jr., finally back. He's impressing. Nuggets are fun. Nuggets are fun. Like, they, sh- they should have a better record than they do, but I think they're kind of getting their footing again. So I'm paying attention to them. And then Charlotte, they got some nice pieces. Gordon Hayward's playing just great basketball. Like, like Hayward's numbers are. Is he 50, 40, right now? He was. Is he, I mean, he's an all-star for sure. For definite. Okay. He's just he's, – he, he's a little he's a little short in the free throws. He's a little short in the free throws. He's 52-44-86 right now. So I'll, I'll take it, though. 24 points per game. So, yeah. Hey, I mean, we got a uh, awesome. article coming up about the Joker sometime soon. We, we got a little love for him. Let's go. Let's go. Those were my two teams. So those are your two. Those are your when two you teams changed it to two, I was like, okay, Charles, I'll probably. Yeah. Mine originally All was right. just Denver, and then I was like, okay, if we're going east, I'll take Hornets because <laughs> I want to watch the LaMelo show and Gordo be Gordo. So, you're a man after me, own heart. Yeah. All right. Lovely. Lovely. All right, guys, that'll do that for this week's episode. As always, thank you for listening. Catch us out. Check us out on Twitter at HoopScoopPod. Listen to our podcast on all platforms. Check us out on YouTube, HoopScoop. Catch you guys next time. Peace.